hilarious. <laughs> Boobies. <laughs> boobs and poop. Boobs and poop. Hilarious things are boobs and poop. All right, Mr. Taylor, that's enough. I've had it with your out-of-control and immature antics. It's time for you to grow up and come of age, if but, that's a phrase. But I don't want an adult to show me a dead body or make me have sex or, or make me skateboard until I steal money from my mom. And my understanding is that those are the ways that one matures. Well, I'm sure that if you just put your heart into it, try to find yourself... A narrator will tell us all exactly what you're feeling. But will the narrator tell me what I'm feeling? Because I've been trying it. I just can't understand it. I have all this angst. And I have all this rage. And I just want to skateboard and look at dead children. And I just need someone to explain my feelings to me. Not the audience. For once, can it be about me, Mom? <sighs> well, then let me have you listen to a little podcast called Movies for Wind. Oh, that always makes me come. Of age. <laughs> I see we've learned nothing. All right, welcome back, everybody. <laughs> you know what the deal is. It's movies for when. And baby, this is movies for when you're coming of age. Denny, how are you coming of age lately? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I might have tapped into something real on accident. So I'm kind of coming down from age right now. Um, lately I've been coming of age pretty well. I feel like I've really been finding myself, Greg. Um, you know, I've, uh, I've recently, uh, had sex for the first time, tried drugs. Cool. And, nice. um, had sex for the first and a half time. So I would say I've come of age. But can you do a kickflip? Oh. On Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, I sure can. Yeah, that's right. Good boy. Good man. I appreciate what, it. What about you? How are you coming of age? Um, by accepting my early 30s whiteness and making a podcast. Oh, man. Maybe the real coming of age was the podcast we made along the way. <laughs> yes! Yeah! There it is. All right. We're not here to talk about our coming of age. We're talking about films about other people coming of age. We are going to be discussing Stand By Me, which was an audience selection. Thank you all for voting. We're going to be talking about Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which is a movie Denny picked. And then my selection, Mid-90s. Hell yeah. A movie that is set in the past and still set in a time after the first two movies that I just said. <laughs> wow. I didn't realize that. <laughs> God, we're fucking old. <laughs> oh, shit. But yeah, man. Normally, this would be where we say we've watched other movies besides these three. Here's where we talk about the other stuff. But, man, we had so much stuff because we had two weeks away from each other. Then we had the last episode where we just simply didn't have enough time. Denny, there's a lot of movies, a lot of shows that I've watched and I'm sure you've watched that we haven't been able to talk about. I think there's going to be a place for us to discuss that. Oh. So we 
have an announcement to make. An announcement! God, my dog's barking in the announcement She's talk. Eleven ah. is so excited! She's She cannot wait for this. She's going to be forking over her toys and her kibbles and ready to ready to cough them up so mm. that she can subscribe to our belly drum roll <laughs> you can subscribe to my belly drum roll if you want but i'll do it for free if you ask nicely patreon we are launching a patreon ladies and gentlemen airhorn.wave yeah i'm just like 11 the audience tail is wagging for more content more stuff more involvement we're here to provide. We're going to be doing a Patreon. It's going to be very bare bones to start. We've had a lot of ideas for a lot of different shows, but we want to just get it off the ground with a little bit of extra content for the really true diehards of Movies for Win. Yeah. So, and I uh, want the world to know, too, that Greg and I have both talked. Oh, look, my slushie is here. Thank in you. In honor of the Patreon. Yay! Yay! Celebrate with a slushie with your I, friends. I raise my taro slushie with pudding to you, Vanessa, but more importantly, to the Patreon. To the Patreon. To the Patreon. Thank you, Vanessa. <laughs> I, uh, I want people to know that you and I have both talked about this, and we've been like, we're not doing a Patreon unless it's good and unless there's a lot of content on it. Um, mm -hmm. We are not going to be half-assing this thing. We're going all in on it. And uh, even if no one wants it, you're getting it anyway. Um, we're we're going we're gonna to give it our all. We're going to give you quality, quality movie, TV, and uh, maybe hockey and wrestling content uh, for your money's worth. Um, so more. Do we have tier announcements? Are we doing any of that no. stuff? So the plan right now, we're not just jumping into this thing blind. We do have a plan. We've had a lot of ideas. We've kind of got it nailed down. But just like this podcast when we started, we're going to work our way out to what we want it to be as we go along. So we're only going to have one tier. Uh, it's just going to be like a base price. It's going to be less than $5. So don't worry. It's not going to break the bank. You're going to get a new show every week this might change around the schedule for the main show but the main show will still be a weekly upload and then we're also going to have a weekly upload of something from the patreon so once this will be a bi-weekly show it'll be where denny and i discuss what else we watched and we're also going to tack on the end of that a little q a uh, we're going to have people post comments on the episode that comes out, and then for the next one, we'll answer some of those questions uh, as they come along. And then in between that bi-weekly release, Denny and producer Vanessa are going to tackle one, maybe two, movies from their annual movie list. Yeah. So in instead of having a whole episode of three movies on their movie list, you know, maybe they start falling behind. This is a motivation for them to stick with it watch a movie every couple weeks or so get through their list you guys can hear about it on a more focused uh sort of platform because you know we like those lists and yeah. if if it's something i've seen i'll i'll be sure and chime in but it might just be the denny and vanessa show a couple times so, or mo so most fun. of the time yeah exactly I'm so excited man we're gonna have a blast we we've been we've been dreaming up ideas for this for for honestly over a year <laughs> since we started doing this and I'm I'm so glad we're finally doing it. I'm so glad I have a competent podcast partner who actually does like work and makes ideas happen. Because I'm more of an ideas guy. I'm ideas and social media. 
he's the face of the franchise yeah he's social media i'm just like what if i tweet once every two weeks Mm. um but yeah i i wanted to you know this podcast does cost money to make but i didn't want to alienate people that just want to listen to the main show i wanted to have the main show be a little bit shorter because you know it's when we record going for three plus hours gets pretty tiring my own oh. family was like isn't your show like three hours and that, that was the reason why they didn't listen no longer <laughs> I, I did want a you know a more manageable main show and then also paid content that the people that do feel like paying for can enjoy but it's not going to detract from the main show necessarily we're moving one small segment that i don't think anyone was really looking forward to i, I was <laughs> we, we were we, <laughs> it was for us we like it that's the point of the podcast we like it the the trick is sometimes other people like it too so that's what's going on um it's going to be extra cheap it's just going to be to help pay for keeping the podcast going and that's honestly it so we would love Unless to have everyone join rich because everyone loves us way more than we thought they did or die trying yeah, uh, we'll cover that movie first just kidding never, never heard of that guy all right uh curtis jackson oh yeah that guy notable curtis did he play a goalie for the st louis blues no that was michael jackson curtis joseph all right so first oh <laughs> uh, he was in the, on the oilers my bad edmonton oilers i screwed up sorry dylan all right uh first up <laughs> Speaking of the 80s Oilers, we've got Stand By Me, Denny. This was the uh, the audience pick. Yeah. Everyone voted. I was kind of hoping for 8th grade or Booksmart to win the audience poll, but Stand By too. Me was, yeah, oh, of course. I, I just This is a good consolation. I can't complain because we took Dazed and Confused from first place to last place in the last day of the poll, and... I think Dazed and Confused is so fucking overrated, and I didn't want to watch it. I also wasn't really feeling Stand By Me, but it is what it is. It's a crowd pleaser. The people have spoken, and we are one with the people. We are one with the people, and the people are one with us. Yeah. Uh, All right, so, Denny, Stand By Me, 1986, audience choice, first place out of... 58 voters a lot of votes this week i was excited to see that yeah people like it barely edged out the outsiders but you want to go ahead and summarize stand by me which is a movie from 1986 that you can watch on something called fubo which is a (laughs) online video service that'll only run you 70 bucks a month jesus christ did you look at that at all no, I had the DVD, but I was laughing because oh, it, it sounded like you were crying when you were saying it. <laughs> I was holding back a lot of burps, but... <laughs> Fucking Fubo? I, it was like when we did a... It's also... Okay, funny enough, this is... I can't remember what movie it was. There was another movie we did on Philo, which is like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. But it was just like some rando service. And then Fubo... I was like, okay, it's on there. It's also on Philo. Stand By Me is also on Philo. You can't have a movie on Philo and Fubo. It's just too silly sounding. (laughs) (laughs) That's why you gotta... do it! You gotta tuck the DVD into your uh, Fubus. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) 
yeah, Fubo is like a. I think you can stream like channels from other countries too. Like, if you want to watch, you better be able to for that Spanish money. Spanish uh, soccer leagues. So seventy bucks a month, you can watch Stand by Me, or you could do like I did and rent it off Amazon for like three bucks. So it's like paying for cable. What are you? Seventy. <laughs> One dollar for every year of your life you've wasted watching network television? <laughs> Is that what it cost? Uh-oh. <laughs> All right, so... Fuck Fubo. <laughs> uh, summary of the movie? Yeah, go ahead, buddy. Okay. Um, we've got a kid named Gordy um, who is uh, from a, uh, a home with a deceased older brother. He doesn't really connect. Uh, it's in the 50s. And there's a rumor among his ruffian friends that his parents do not approve of that there's a dead body of a kid somewhere in the woods. And they're like, well, let's go on a fucking hero's journey. Um, where they, uh, they decide to set out on foot to see this dead body and collect the reward money. Uh, while they are on this path, uh, they end up talking about life a lot. And to quote Abed Nadir heavy-handed drama to create the illusion of story which is the theme of this week's episode happens a lot on the, on the walk um and uh he gets a leech on his penis and uh he bleeds from his ball sack and uh mm. he tells a weird story about a guy who puked pie and motor oil everywhere and uh or castor oil not castrol oil my bad <laughs> got confused in my brain oh, um they finally find the body, um, and then some hoodlums try to take it from them, and Gordy, Gordy's got a gun. He points it at him and says, you can't have this body, it's our body. Um, and they run away scared, and then they decide to not collect the reward money and give an anonymous tip, and uh, it turns out he never had friends like he did when he was 12, because um, his friend died, and that's why he was writing. Um and that's the movie. That's Stand, Stand By Me. Stand By Me, made by Rob Reiner, based on a novella by Stephen King. That's right. One of the, uh, you know, is, this movie's fine, but it's one of the better Stephen King adaptations. Yes. <laughs> There's some There's real dog shit out there. There's a lot of to choose from. <laughs> yeah, ranging decades, including the it's most still recent... Happening. <laughs> Yeah, the It Chapter 2 was, oh my god. <laughs> I kind of liked It Chapter 2. I thought it was okay. Okay, man. All right. Uh, <laughs> Stand By Me is a cool 88 minutes. I really like that. We had yeah. a couple of movies that were sub-90 minutes. Mid-90s was like 86. Yeah, mid-90s. That was one of my other notes. Uh, sub-90s. Hell yeah. Uh, Stand By Me, a cool 88 minutes. Um you had the dvd so i'm guessing you've seen this one before yeah 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 so i bought it while i lived in canada thinking i would immediately watch it and it has i know i know the dvds i bought in canada because they also have french translations on them so it's kind of a neat little thing in my dvd collection and i just went years and years and years never watching it i think i finally watched it last year and i thought it was really 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 good nice. um upon a rewatch I thought it was pretty good. Um, it was it was um, had a lot more impact on the first time, but yeah, I've se I've seen it twice. Second time was this week. What about you? What's your relationship with Stand by Me? 
I had actually never seen this one. So, a couple things. I All I knew about this movie... I Don't correct me, because I know it's wrong. All I knew about this movie is, one, Kiefer Sutherland was in it. Mm-hmm. That's correct. And two, one of the kids gets run over by a train. Now, I never watched it because I knew, okay... I know the ending. One of the kids gets run over by a train. And then imagine my surprise when I'm watching it this week and nobody gets run over by a train. Well, that one kid did. We just didn't see it. (laughs) Well, yeah, exactly. But I was confusing it in my head with a PSA I watched in the 90s. (laughs) Where kids are walking down a bridge on the train tracks they hear a train coming someone gets their foot stuck in the boards and gets hit by the train and dies i think it was a psa might have been another movie i watched that traumatized the fuck out of me either way (laughs) whatever that medium was that i saw that scene in i saw it way too early and i just thought it was this one so i just never watched this movie until now (laughs) Imagine imagine my relief when <laughs> Vern didn't die. <laughs> it's it would have been Vern, uh, by the way. <laughs> like, oh, I know. <laughs> imagine the relief um oh, wait, you just said I'm, I'm tired. You said imagine my relief. I'm wondering, <laughs> did kids used to get hit by trains a lot? I don't feel like I've heard of a lot of tragedies involving that. Kids used to die for all sorts of reasons back <laughs> in the day. Who knows why kids die? <laughs> it used to be like way more common back then. And I I was told those were the good old days, but you just died in cooler ways. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't even have a Game Boy before your death. <laughs> you died before the Game Boy came out. Sucks shit, man. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking boomer. <laughs> I think that trauma hit home because my grandfather at one point literally wrote the book on railroad safety. He, after his time in World War II, he was established in his career in the railroad industry. We have a lot of his old, uh, I don't know what they're called, the things where you communicate Morse code. Uh, those little things where you tap Morse code and it runs through mm-hmm. wires and everything. Like, we have some of his old machines. Railroad was his life. He drilled it into my mom's head that stay off the tracks, don't fuck around with trains, and that got passed down onto me. Ah, maybe so, your mom yeah. made you watch that over and over, and it just seems like one memory. <laughs> she she accidentally recorded, accidentally recorded that PSA on VHS. Like, oh, maybe we should watch this. <laughs> I want to watch. I want to watch Ernest goes to camp. <laughs> We're watching Oops. Stranger Danger. Damn it! And <laughs> uh, it stuck with me. Where are we going? I don't think I have any. Like, oh, I don't oh. think we ha- we had a jumping off point. I don't know what it was. I don't know that we did. I think we've been in- endlessly segueing train stories um, and and making fun of boomers, which is uh, I'll do it for two more hours if you want. Uh, but... <laughs> Because we're b- 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 bad to the bone. Yeah, I have I have mixed feelings on this movie. Um, okay. One, 
it's a good movie. There's just no denying that it's a really good movie with a very strong story and emotional payoff. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of filmmaking, it's very, uh, very bland. There's not a lot of creativity going on here. Um, there's a lot of things to note like complaints to make that i feel like i feel like when people remember this movie they remember the end of it um which is fantastic it's a really really strong emotional ending Mm -hmm. i feel like it's a little overrated but still really really good what say you i feel the same way this is like it's just a classic yeah like i just feel like this is revered as a classic or just thought of that way you know it's i don't know i i feel the same as you like i don't really need a narrator through the whole thing i'm not really into 50s nostalgia like we talked about during our um back to the future discussions yeah but like it is good like it is a good story i like all these kid characters i think they're super entertaining and super engaging great performances too they all nailed it oh yeah as it seems it's a weird thing where I feel like they typecasted each kid to kind of be like their own personality and like wrote the character wrote, or like, you know, got put with a character like the way they were already. But yeah. it, it worked very well, sure. except for um, uh, Corey Feldman. Yeah. Who, who I feel like could just do anything. That kid could I, act, I, I, man. I, he had range at like age 11. I was very impressed with Feldman in this movie. Oh, yeah. I, I, I was... <laughs> trying so hard not to say crispin glover i was confusing uh friday the 13th characters dude i could have sworn that one of the extras in the pie eating scene was crispin glover for a second it wasn't when i got a better look at him but i was like that motherfucker (laughs) you're telling me i can't use a fork to eat all this pie i always forget that you i'm gonna barf you've got a crispin glover up your sleeve i always forget he's a part of me man he's a part of me i know <laughs> um you know what let's let's open by now that we've gotten the uh overrated due to classic status out of the way let's talk about what's good what did you like about this movie well i already mentioned the characters and the actors and everything uh yeah filmmaking a little bland i I don't know. I feel like this really has a way of kind of taking you back to your mindset as a 12, 13-year-old, for us, 12, 13-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just like, even though this was the 50s, and of course times have changed a lot, just like having a couple of friends and like fucking off to the woods yeah, is just a kid thing. It, or, uh, like when, when we were growing up, it was very similar. Maybe... Mm-hmm. To a much lesser extent, but, like, it's extremely relatable. Yeah. I guess, despite being (laughs) made the year my older brother was born, set in a time from before my, I think around the time my parents were born. Yeah. (laughs) So. (laughs) Very believably 50s. I know that, like, for most of it, they were just in the woods, you know, but, like, the vibe was there. Um I, I I feel bad for... Because, like, on the second watch, the 50s nostalgia really annoyed me. Um, and mm, I don't know if I've okay. just gotten more mad at Boomer since then, but, like, I don't even feel like I can say that's a criticism just because, like, nostalgia is so subjective and it's, like, 
I love 80s and 90s nostalgia um, because I relate to it. And I guess the 50s stuff just annoys me because I don't relate to it. And yet I can recognize that objectivity. And there's something in me that just still feels that it's somehow worse. You know, like that the stuff I relate <laughs> to is, is good and the stuff I don't relate to is bad. Um, and I, I can't really say that it's a marker of quality. I can't. And, but man, 50s, because like this is the thing about 50s nostalgia. When we were kids, everything was 50s nostalgia, just like everything is 80s and 90s nostalgia right now. So I've, yes. I've been tired of 50s nostalgia for like my entire life. Like the whole time I've been alive, I've thought it was overdone. And we didn't get this like 80s, 90s nostalgia until more recently. So even that feels more fresh and comforting because it reminds me of a simpler time in my life when I just wanted to go to the mall with my friends and be a skater boy. That's 2000s. Um, but man, I have been so sick of 50s nostalgia since i was younger than the kids in this movie <laughs> i'm so fucking tired of it uh me too i i was gonna bring up the point of nowadays being all about especially like 80s nostalgia with you know stranger things being like one of the most popular things ever yeah um but, but yeah like i was taking the trash out today and you know, soon after watching this movie, I was like, man, I actually kind of relate to these kids because it's just kids being kids. And that's such a universal thing that kind of transcends time, especially like in American culture. Um, and then I was taking the trash out today and it was a kid that was probably like 10 years old mm -hmm. playing with his little brother that was maybe like five or six. Yeah. And the older brother was just saying all the same kinds of shit that was in this movie i was like man stop some stuff just doesn't change yeah it's just like you're gonna be super duper sorry i was like oh whoa <laughs> not you guys, super duper <laughs> you guys still say things like this <laughs> yeah. yeah there is that just inherent relatability because kids are kids man i'm with you on that um they're they always want to be older than they are and have more adventures than they're allowed to have, you know, like, and this was a plausible, but not probable childhood adventure. I feel like, I think they picked a really good one that it like stretches credulity just a little bit, right? Like that you can mm -hmm. actually just like in the fifties, apparently I'm told no one knew where their kids were ever and didn't care. <laughs> so maybe maybe it is more believable than I thought. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we'll get we'll get into like older sibling younger sibling dynamics more in mid 90s, but I feel like they were maybe strained overly serious in this one. It felt like their all of their situations were a little bit too serious yeah. most of the time, but you know, they were kind of jumping into a serious subject matter. So, yeah. well, and again, like they, it was the the creating the illusion of story because most of this story is a really long walk that you could realistically probably skip over, but it would be mm -hmm. a very short movie. So they they had to give everybody a serious issue that this somehow helped them solve that they could all work through just to like fill the time. You know, like. Is the movie really any different because of Corey Feldman's arc with his dad? 
he didn't even have an arc with his dad he just got mad about it right like yeah but we we just know a lot about like that his father stormed the beach in normandy and that he's really sensitive because his dad apparently uh had some serious mental illness that resulted in him being hospitalized or as they said put in the loony bin um and it's like that was all good stuff it was all well done i felt it you know like it was all really awesome but did it really change the movie like could you you could have just (laughs) cut it all out and and the movie would have progressed just fine like they even like bury Corey feldman they're like oh him yeah he like went to jail and now he works at a gas station like nothing good ever (laughs) happened to him I did appreciate that kind of dose of realism at the end. Like, well, sometimes friendships, people kind of fall apart. But it was just like we got home from this harrowing journey. And while we're saying our goodbyes, here's the voiceover to put a real dampener on things. Like, this, yeah, this kid's fucking dead. Uh, that other guy, <laughs> I never talked to him again. Um, I don't give a shit about this dude anymore. And I'm just living the life on my little... 80s dos computer <laughs> Vern, pretty much fuck him um moving on <laughs> like but i will say the ending is what ties it all together for me because I, I really felt something both times i watched it when you find out he's telling the story to grieve his friend and that that ending line is so great i never had friends like i did when i was 12 um mm-hmm because that's the time in your life when the biggest focus is friendship, right? Like that's developmentally what everyone is concerned with is who their friends are and who's dating who and all that. And man, <laughs> I just, I really felt that way. I really felt during that ending. What, what about you? Emotional reaction? Uh, or, or were you just like dumb narration? Um, I was more emotionally connected to the ride along the way and the kind of narrative ending for the child characters with like finding the body and everything. I was more connected with parts of the journey and kind of the resolution of that, not necessarily like the now we've all grown up segment. I feel that. I, I feel like I wasn't expecting the we've all grown up segment. You know, like I, I it yeah. didn't seem like we were going to get that at the end. Um, but yeah, the real journey was the friends we uh, ridiculed along the way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the friends we waved a gun around with no trigger discipline <laughs> along the way. Jesus. Gun safety wasn't a thing in the 50. No wonder in the 50s. No wonder so many kids died. Um, gun safety train safety they hadn't made any psas yet because kids were just always going on heroes journeys together and walking on train tracks and that's right i i did think that that scene where they're running from the train was really really stressful like really oh yeah i, I felt the danger in that man that was a strong me too scene. because i was waiting for a kid to die yeah 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 i knew it was happening <laughs> uh so glad to be proven wrong though that that's that's so wild that's probably one of the only times where it's been like or maybe in recent memory where it's like oh my god one of our main characters is going to die right now Mm -hmm. i can't Mm -hmm. remember the last time i felt like a main character was actually like in real danger yeah and it it shows how much Hmm. they made you care about the kids that you were so worried right yeah and then it didn't feel like plot armor when they all died it was more like 
I was lied to. <laughs> or just confused. <laughs> I've been confused for a while. I don't blame the movie for that. Uh, you got anything else for Stand By Me, my guy? Yeah, I've got something I needed to discuss. Oh, okay. I'm here for you. It was really uncomfortable to watch Stephen King jerk off for that long. With all of that, like, writers are a gift from God stuff. You want to know who the real heroes are? It's the people who write stories. That's who the main characters are. Everyone's rooting for them. We can't let them take shop class. They've got to share their gift. And it just went Dude. on and fucking on, man. It is very obnoxious, and I'm not going to spoil the ending of Game of Thrones. But <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> I think a lot of you know what I'm talking about. Like, have some fucking shame or something. Uh, That's coming from a therapist. Stephen King. Ah. Uh, 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 who has a better story than Steve the... Christine the car broken. that went crazy. <laughs> Steve and the broken. Fucking stupid ass show. Fuck that show. Fuck House of the Dragon. Um, Dude, and... I can't... You, oh my god. I don't care if that show is just the best thing ever. I'm never going no. to watch it. They made no. me dis like <laughs> despise the IP in general. Like I'm never going to care about anything involving that IP ever again in my fucking life. Yeah. Stop <laughs> advertising this show to me. I'm never going to watch it. Fool me once, that's enough. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't have 20 more hours to give you. You fooled me once. I feel like in this case, though, the fool me once was absolutely a shame on them. Yeah, that's true. Fool me once, shame on you. Thank you, fuck you, bye. <laughs> <laughs> They're not fooling me twice. No. Therefore, there's no shame on me. There we go. <sighs> All right, Denny. I'm ready. Thank you. I'm I'm glad you got that off your chest. I buddy. needed to say it, yeah. Yes, you did. All right. Um, since I think we're closing out here, we got a new gimmick this week. Yes. A gimmick of the week. Danny, what is your, what is the gimmick of the week for this week? The gimmick of the week is your favorite coming of something. It's your favorite sex thing in the movie. We're going to talk about sex this week. Um, oh, I thought it was. Oh, I didn't think it was that. Oh, what did you think it was? I thought it was just like a coming of age moment. Uh-oh. We specifically said your favorite sex thing. We talked about uh, it. Oh, no. Greg! I don't, I don't have anything ready for this Greg! for any of the three movies. <laughs> okay, we're going to do separate gimmicks this week. Greg okay. is going to do his favorite coming-of-age moment. I will do favorite my favorite thing about the movie, I guess. <laughs> What's your favorite coming-of-age moment? And I'll do my favorite coming-of-something moment. Uh, Jesus Christ. Um, well, my favorite coming-of-age moment was all of them talking in the woods and having conversations where they realize the world is bigger than them. There are things beyond the lives that they know. They need to think bigger and really take a step outside of common knowledge and really ask questions like, what is Goofy? <laughs> that was great. That was so great, and it's such a campfire conversation. Boy, is it. I loved it, man. Yeah. Finding a dead body, that's too much trauma for me to be like, oh, this was cool. 
uh, because that has to be extremely traumatizing. It's the beginning of every CSI episode, but I feel like that really fucks with you if you find a dead body. So yeah, <laughs> what's I went for something more fun, which was discussing if Goofy was a dog or what the hell's going on with him versus Pluto. And it was it was done very well with the timing. You know how they would like talk about something deeper and just kept coming back to the Goofy <laughs> discussion. <laughs> exactly. Shit, those are discussions I have, like, every weekend right now. Like, something along those lines I still do. I'm glad, yeah. Some, sometimes, yeah, bigger questions can be the same year after year. Yeah, don't get Vanessa started on uh, Goofy and Pluto and why one of them can talk and one of them is a pet. It's it's a whole thing. We'll save it for the Patreon. Oh, I just kind of want to ask her myself. Uh, Denny, what is your favorite sex thing since you got your own gimmick this week? I do. My own personal gimmick. Um, I'll give a runner-up to Mayor Grundy barfed on his wife's tits. That's my fetish. Um, but I will go with... Uh, Only if it's in a person in public power. Yeah. I want to see a <laughs> musty old mayor puke on his wife's titties. Um, People that hold office need to... <laughs> should also right. hold titties just kidding they don't deserve it um <laughs> i'm gonna go with uh it was the latest game gimmick i've ever had one of the last songs credited was come softly to me um and if you're gonna come to me come softly to me that's my favorite sex thing in the movie to me hell yeah <laughs> all right denny what is your favorite line from stand by me my favorite line was your brother Denny sure could play football just because it was nice to finally hear someone say it. <laughs> Dude. Ah, uh, man. Hell yeah. No comment. Perfect. No notes. Um, I had one, a runner-up, that was in April. My older brother Dennis had been killed in a Jeep accident. So I'm so sorry for your parents' loss there, my guy. Thanks, man thanks um but my favorite line was an exchange between the two main characters the best friends bullshit bull true that's hell with yeah me. i've thought about it several times since i watched the movie i really like it man let's start saying bull true when we're right bull true yeah or when someone says something is bullshit like no that's bt bt bro extra terrestrial all right denny on a Critiker score, what would you say Stand By Me stands as by you for scores? I gave it a 41, which I think sounds high based on the discussion. 41 out of 50. But mm -hmm. I do think it's really, really solid. Um, I, I, I think it's, it's a very competently done movie that makes you feel exactly how it wants you to feel. And uh, despite their best efforts, most of the moments don't really come across as forced. And... I think it's got a little more substance to it than most coming-of-age movies. Because, honestly, coming-of-age is a very weak genre. It's a very beloved one, but, like, most of the movies are, like, just a mess. <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. Like, and, and this one was, uh, this one was pretty solid, man. I gave it a 41 out of 50. What about you? Very nice. Um, since I didn't have to pay $70 for it this go-around... <laughs> I, I agree with everything you said. It's very solid. Um, it's just kind of one that isn't for me. But again, I appreciate a, a shorter movie, uh, like sub-90 minutes, that you can still connect with 
Um, I gave this one a 30 out of 40. Nice. Three out of four, 75%. You could do the math. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's 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 good. I'll probably watch it again like a few years down the line, but maybe just everything wasn't really for me. Fair enough. I mean, we are very out of the demographic that it targeted, so what you gonna do? You don't have to be a judgy little bitch about it, Greg. Yes, I do. Okay, you're right. You do. That was unfair also... of me to say. Thanks, man. I accept your apology. <laughs> All right. I'm also going to be a seamless edity little bitch about it. Oh, you always are. Mm, you week... always are, Greg. Week after week, I'm the same guy. <laughs> me too. <sighs> it's glad. I'm glad to know where we both stand. We have an understanding. We do. Boy, do we. Boy, we... do we. We do this every week. We say right before we get on the air have an understanding we have an understanding magical adventures best friends forever one two three we do this every week every week we do it we have that understanding greg all right i had my headphones off you ready to go denny fuck you <laughs> you are you ready bitch. to go because uh, yes it's I... like when worlds collide collide <laughs> <laughs> All right, our next movie is going to be Fast Times at Power Man 3000 High. <laughs> oh, sorry, my notes say Ridgemont High. Fast Times at Ridgemont High, my mistake. Which is also the same number of syllables as Mock Trial with Jay Reinhold. <laughs> Mock Trial <laughs> with Jay Reinhold. Mock, Mock Trial. trial. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High is a 1982 film that you could watch on a... <laughs> streaming service that doesn't cost you $70 a month. Ladies and gents, it's Peacock. Yay! Every once in a while we will get a Peacock movie. It's kind of nice. Uh but then every once in a while we'll get a Fubo movie and those can just fuck all the way off. So, <laughs> Peacock. Glad to have you back. You're more than just The Office. I wish I could say the same for people's senses of humor and personalities. Um, oh! I'm on a tangent. Denny. <laughs> This was your pick, Fast yes. Times at Ridgemont High. Yes. Uh, you want to summarize the film for us? It should be a pretty easy one. Yeah, I was going to say, how do I summarize something that has no real plot to it? Um, <laughs> the title is kind of a summary. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High is an 80s high school movie. Um, a lot of kids want to have sex, and there's a nerdy guy that likes a pretty girl, and there's a sketchy, edgy badass who comes way too fast. Um and there's a shoehorned abortion subplot so we could actually pretend we had a story and then uh, there's, yeah. there's a stoner uh, that has to learn history and um then for some reason judge reinhold gets held up at a fucking gas station to, in the movie for no reason whatsoever <laughs> a lot of shocking twists and turns in this film um yeah it's it's just a bunch of characters in a high school doing their things uh with a female director here i was kind of surprised oh. I, was, I was i was expecting because i guess getting into relationships with the movie i had never seen this one because i was a very sheltered 90s kid so 80s movies especially raunchy ones were not on my radar mm -hmm. at all so you know i was i was expecting a lot of male gaze kind of stuff and then i saw the credits and the director is female i was like oh okay great 
she still managed to capture the male gaze. I'll give her that. It felt a little bit less objectifying, if that makes any sense. It's weird. I don't know. Yeah, because I, I watched it and was like, what a men writing women moment. You know, women teaching each other to suck off carrots in the cafeteria like girls do. You know, <laughs> normal normal chick stuff. Um, I say chick because, you know, the movie. Chicks. But whatever. Um, my first note for Fast Times at Richmond High. Do I get to say my Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, man. Uh, what's your relationship with this movie, man? I'm I've sorry. seen it a bunch of times. I don't have anything interesting. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's, that's why I made a point to go backwards, just so I could say nothing interesting. <laughs> I've seen it a lot. I used to really love it. Uh, I don't love it as much now. That's that's my relationship with it. All right, very cool. Well, I'm, I'm, yeah, you've kind of come around on both movies to kind of realizing, like, maybe it's just a little more average than yeah. my first time going in. I'd definitely say so. Uh, my first note, all caps, MALLS! Boy, oh boy, MALLS. <laughs> yeah, I, I was What a time. <laughs> the opening felt like, uh, felt like, because, like, this, first of all, this is what I love about it. It's a contemporary coming-of-age movie. They're almost always nostalgic. And this is nostalgic for us now, but it's a movie about high school in the 80s that was actually made in the 80s. So that's pretty cool. Um, but it was so weird because the opening and basically the whole movie felt like 80s nostalgia made in 2022. Like, it's like, it's yeah. like it was like watching Stranger Things with the, like constantly having a song playing malls 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 you know like mm -hmm. it was it seemed like it was hard for me to believe it wasn't made this year hyper focusing on 80s nostalgia in a really obnoxious way <laughs> like it was insane it it feels like parody at certain points only because we're existing in a time 40 years after this movie came out yeah and people still think this is the only way to make movies yes so. <laughs> yes a uh, very understandable but i do appreciate because that that's a that's a how it aged thing but like part of the reason i wanted eighth grade to win is because what's so cool about it is like oh, man. bo burnham had the kids teach him what middle school is like now so he could make a movie for like middle schoolers now to watch and this was definitely made for high schoolers in 1982 about what their lives are like in the current. You know, like, I'm I'm honestly surprised that the world was this 80s by just 82. Like, it was pretty much still the 70s, right? <laughs> yeah, I feel like maybe some of fashion hadn't really gotten to what we would think of as, like, stereotypical 80s kind of stuff. But they already but... had the Pat Benatar look, man. Oh, yeah, there's three of them. There's three of them, buddy. <laughs> Only the only the real popular girls can look like it's the '80s here. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> that's that's Man. how you know they're cool. That's how you know they're cool. Um, I, I I don't really know where to jump in first here, aside from malls, like I already said. Yeah. Um, I I didn't know Jennifer Jason Lee was in this movie. We talked about her in our Hateful Eight discussion. Did we? Because I don't know who she is. She's the main character in this movie, and she was the only female that kept getting the shit kicked out of her huh. in hate in Hateful Eight. That's kind of cool. I mean, the connection. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, sure. 
it's not cool that we kicked the shit out of her in a movie, but she, you know, she became an Oscar-nominated actress. It was so. for art. For art, I say. I guess that also justifies her nudity in this one because. Yeah. This, <laughs> thank good. Yeah, go ahead. This movie was art. That's all I was gonna say. Oh sure, yeah. I was gonna say thank God she was twenty when this movie was made. Because she's definitely like a high school freshman, sophomore, something like that. Mm-hmm. And, oh boy. Nothing more romantic than lying about your age to a man in his mid-twenties. That was such a weird plot line, man. That was such a strange one. Like, I'm glad we were done with it real quick, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and it all just happened for no real reason, but we... And then it's like... They're showing us her boobs, and I get that she's an adult when they filmed it, but she's supposed to be 15, and we're supposed mm. to be thinking it's hot. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's, uh. We, we don't do that here. Wakanda, cheers. <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't cheers to that. That was poor timing on my part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this, this movie... Which I do think this movie is a really fun movie. Um, there's a lot of just like fun, silly uh, coming of age stuff going on in it. But then they feel the need to do stuff like that. And then have an abortion that doesn't matter. Uh, like why do they need to take it to this like heavier, darker level? And could they have picked a scarier dugout to have sex in? That looks like a fucking horror movie scene. I was so scared watching it. Like, this is where Jason walks up, right? Right! Yes! Yes! It was like a fucking slasher movie. That was a very slasher movie sex scene. You're extremely correct. Um, but yeah, this this silly stuff, I guess that's what the movie's really most known for. Where we get our... Uh, holy shit. <laughs> our little surfer stoner bro... Showing up late for class. <laughs> Sean Penn, ladies and gentlemen, and the role that made him famous. That's right. It, it was weird seeing him like this because I'm used to him saying, Is my daughter in there? <laughs> or whatever. At least he still looked 40. <laughs> no, you're right. He was a, a rare... <laughs> I wouldn't. I shouldn't say rare. What am I talking about? A very noticeable case of someone clearly done with high school being yeah. a high schooler. Yeah. Maybe it's canon. Maybe he failed a bunch of years. Oh, that could uh, track. I like his, for lack of a better word, relationship with Mister Hand, the history teacher. That was. I fun. thought that was really funny. That was that was some of the better stuff in the movie and. Why couldn't we just keep it to stuff like that and just have a good time? Would that have been so wrong? Yes. Yes, it would have. Why? Oh, good question. <laughs> <laughs> we got to we got to sell movie tickets, Danny. People want to see abortions in their pictures. The picture show's got to have abortions in it. This is the 80s. It's cutting edge. We talk um, like this in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, see? trans suburban accents um <laughs> i i thought you know sean penn's pizza that he ordered mm -hmm. taken to class i thought that pizza rivaled but didn't beat the pizza from a goofy movie speaking of goofy mm. from our last movie discussion but yeah 
There's something about like, the cheese in a Goofy movie, man. Yeah, exactly. That's all I can think about, honestly. The Leaning Tower of Cheesa. Oh my god. Hell yeah. If Live-action pizza, I feel like this was as good as it got. Yeah, but cartoon pizza is always going to trump live-action pizza. Cheese pool, baby. Have you ever seen them, seen them eating it on Ninja Turtles? God, that pizza looks good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's Stuff got, dreams are made of. It's got like two colors in their animation. <laughs> it still looks amazing. It's like solid yellow with like pepperoni red. <laughs> it looks so good. This has been Will Reno Corner. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess because I didn't really know much about this movie. Like I saw Sean Penn was like, you know, on the poster. So mm -hmm. I knew he was in it. I was surprised by Jennifer Jason Lee. I was very surprised by Forrest Whitaker being in this movie. Yeah, he was fun. He, his character served no purpose whatsoever, but he was fun. He got tricked into being good at football. Um, I guess he got blindsided by this car being destroyed. Uh, leave Sandra out of this. We're having a nice time. <laughs> Different kind of blindsided. Um, and then we were going to get to this point eventually, man. This is the first yes. credited appearance of our good friend, Nicholas Coppola. A.K.A. Yes. one Nicholas Cage. Did you catch him in the movie? Because I was looking yes, for him twice. Really twice. I was. I guess I must have gone to the bathroom in his scene or something. Because I just googled him. You know, like I I was about to bring it up right when you did. Um, I was bummed that I didn't. I didn't find him. I didn't notice him. I was looking. It's a real where's Waldo, but <laughs> he's in. He's like one of the grill cooks in the first restaurant of Judge Reinhold, yeah, like his yeah. job there. They like cut back to him standing next to another guy. Mm -hmm. And they're like working back there. I was like, holy shit, Nick. There you and are, buddy. It's me, I'm Greg. <laughs> it's your pal <laughs> from Movies for Win. <laughs> and then I'm like 90% sure he shows up later at the football game where we get blindsided Forrest Whitaker. Uh, I, I think he's in the crowd. They have like a shot where he like jumps up. Like, that would make sense. From excitement. I like, I think it was him too, but that was the second appearance of him. That would make sense. If that was him. Yeah, this is a starting point. If we don't have this movie, we don't get uh, National Treasure. We don't get Next. We don't get Mandy. You know, the classics. Yeah yeah we don't get the santa claus but that's that's because someone else was launched tim allen yes if you looked very closely in the stands no santa <laughs> that's... santa santa's in this movie a kid pees on him <laughs> and that is what the santa claus was based off of ladies and gentlemen <laughs> that really launched santa's career in film if you listen to the and the then he was detected and then, yeah, you know where I was going. Yes. Bridge, uh, I fucking fuck. <laughs> um, did you notice that they went to a restaurant where everyone sat in armchairs? 
Oh my god. Yeah, I have a note on that because it was so funny. <laughs> what was that about? That was so it surreal. Was, it was so fucking funny. I think there was a YouTube channel. I can't remember what it was, but like someone made a point about like The Godfather Part 2 mm-hmm. and like the chairs people sit in are just like a visual communication of that character's status in the movie or as a character mm-hmm. or within the scene itself. And like just the chair they sit in, how it props them up, kind of um, communicates their status on a micro or macro level. It's really interesting. And then I took that knowledge and I applied it to here, where <laughs> <laughs> our our dorky little friend Mark is posturing to Stacy, saying, "Hey, we're gonna go out on a grown-up date." we're like things are going great he asked for a number we're going on a date and they just they're in these armchairs in this restaurant the table is like they look like little kids the table's like up to their necks i know it's intentional it has to be intentional it's so fucking funny (laughs) they were all like hunched over and small too like they look so tiny was so weird man and no one's commenting on it they're just like yeah it's a furniture store on the weekends or something i don't know we rearrange it and serve (laughs) after the store closes it becomes a restaurant (laughs) turn all the home displays around and seat people at them (laughs) it's not that different from ikea (laughs) (laughs) we got meatballs (laughs) who was uh who is your favorite character? There were a lot of a lot of zany, wacky characters popping up. Who was your favorite? Um, I think it's probably Mark. Yeah. The dorky kid kind of protagonist. Closest thing we've off. got to one. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. On and off love interest of Jennifer Jason Lee's Stacy. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, I just I, I liked him. I liked his I feel like he had the most character quirks like yeah. a little more growth highs and lows he just felt like a person i guess yeah. that's fair but i liked mike damone for his for the vibe for his mob boss energy um <laughs> and like just for being such a smooth talker no matter what happens his toes keep tapping you know like he, he was such a charming little character that's the one that's selling like the concert tickets right? yeah yeah Okay, because his voice was bugging me because he sounds like, like in uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off when Cameron Fry is like pretending to be his dad on the phone. <laughs> oh, you listen here. He really he's, does. He's got that fucking voice. I'm like, uh, I'm not buying this. Uh, I'm an adult. I'm an adult. See, <laughs> you want these concert tickets? Can, uh, can you believe that back in the 80s, people used to have to feign interest in entire photo albums just to get laid? <laughs> <laughs> or back out of getting laid. But yeah, Let's, at least get to first base. <laughs> I can't think of a more awkward thing to do than be like, sit down on my bed. I keep photo albums. Here's me as a child. Like... <laughs> You know what's really going to turn him on? Seeing my parents younger. (laughs) That was such a weird date they went on. I don't know how she didn't score, man. 
she tried but she, she tried she was with a guy who just wasn't quite ready and men that's okay you don't always have to want to have sex you heard it here on this movies for win psa about masculinity yeah but that's right don't don't let women make you look at their photo albums if if you <laughs> if you're not sure that's a bad way to stall bad way to stall <laughs> that's right <laughs> You got anything else for Fast Times? Any notes? Uh, I don't think so, man. I, I I didn't really have too terribly much here for this one. It was, you know, 80s vibes, yeah. nostalgia vibes. It's it's our only movie today that's about the time that it came out in. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> we're just riding with these vibes. And I feel like, you know, it's a lot of... 80s media and media now that looks back at 80s kind of feel references this and is draws inspiration from this in a lot of ways so it is a very fun vibe i like this movie a little bit more than a lot of um like john hughes movies from the time i don't know it just felt like a little bit more of a genuinely good time in a lot of places sure sure i think so i think you know I don't feel like compelled to rewatch it anymore like I used to. I used to be like, oh, this is a comforting movie for me just because I wanted to dwell in those vibes. I guess maybe now I have enough of those vibes, you know, or I just Mm -hmm. watch, uh, I've discovered retro commercial compilations when I'm in that kind of mood. Uh, I cannot (laughs) recommend them enough if you just want to pretend it's 1985 and turn the lights off. It's it's really nice. Um, But, uh, yeah man it's it's a fun movie it's it's at this point it's nothing but nostalgia like there's nothing else to this movie other than nostalgia but for for with that in mind it's a pretty good little nostalgia trip it's 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 good at what it does yeah exactly hell yeah i, th- I think we're on the same page here. yeah what's uh what's your gimmick of the week your favorite coming of age moment uh, this could also be a favorite sex thing, I guess. <laughs> uh, before I knew how this storyline was going to play out, I really liked uh, our guy Mark asking for Stacy's number after getting like an injection of confidence yeah. from his friend. It's just like, you know, you, you see the guy, he wins one, you know? That he was gets cool. a win. That was he really was cool. He was as smooth as he could possibly be expected to be, and it worked. It paid off. He got he got the girl's number. He saw her, got a crush, saw her again, said, "I think I like that girl." You know, you got this, man. You're actually a good-looking guy. Yeah. Lose the jacket though. All right, go get her. And he went and got her number. Yep. It was very nice. And they they made they gave you the fake out. They made you think he was gonna back down with him asking about all the all the lost jackets. You know, and mm-hmm. that's uh, it was a good false finish. I thought that was that was quality a quality moment. As a guy that is very bad at approaching women, but luckily doesn't have to worry about it anymore, I would have done the same thing. Like, let's talk about literally anything first. <laughs> so I can talk about the thing I really want to talk about. <laughs> they very much reminded me of, uh, hey, Denise, who would win in a fight? A taco or a grilled cheese? Is that really what you <laughs> wanted to ask me, Rod? <laughs> <laughs> uh all right what what about you bud uh my favorite coming of something moment was that there was a character named mr hand i think uh we've all spent some time coming with mr hand 
and that made me chuckle. <laughs> <sighs> Grow up, Denny. Grow up. It's not a bit. <laughs> Why do you think that intro works so well? Oh, shoot. I forgot one of my notes was saying that Sean Penn's character was a Bodhi backstory. Um, Who's Bodhi? From Point Break. Oh! <laughs> this is Bodhi in high school. Officially headcanon. Officially Ofi- headcanon. We've got three separate movies. We've got Point Break, the backstory is this movie, and then it leads to Paul Rudd's character in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. So, <laughs> Bodhi's inspirational across decades. Uh, what's your favorite line from this movie? My favorite line is, fuck Dennis Taylor, because I'm so used to hearing people say it. Buddy, we got the same yes, one. Yes, <laughs> it's been a while! Fuck Dennis Taylor! Fuck Dennis Taylor! The full, I could not believe they fucking said, I had to rewind, like, whoa, they really said that, right? Yeah, yeah. and there's, like, no reason for them to, like, first and last name drop the manager that's barely in the movie, and they just keep doing it, and it's my name. It's kind of fun. Fuck Dennis Taylor, I'm not going to apologize to that wimp. I was like, oh my fucking god. Like, it has to be my favorite line, because when am I ever going to get... Your name, first and last, <laughs> spoken about in this way, like, oh, so perfect. I had I had one locked in, so it's my runner-up this week. It's actually Santa Claus going, how fucking long do I have to wait? <laughs> Complaining about food service, but then, you yeah, know, we got dropped the fucking hammer here. <laughs> that was a, a once-in-a-lifetime favorite line podcast opportunity. This is a special moment in this podcast. <laughs> I knew you knew I knew you knew what it was going to be my guy (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know if you were paying close enough attention to hear it um that was something I would hear in high school they'd be like dude we just watched fast times and you're the manager (laughs) so I was ready for it you're the manager nice (sighs) ah all right wow we kind of blew this blew through this one pretty quickly my guy bro there's since we're here What's your Critiker score? I gave it a 36 out of 50. I thought it's uh, it has enough charm to bump it up a few points from what it really deserves as a standalone movie. Um, this is this is what coming-of-age movies do. Most of them... We, we picked some ones that have some substantial stuff in them this week, but most of them are much more like Fast Times, and I think they did a pretty decent job at doing what they always do throughout the generations. Um this is like i said i think for how beloved it is and for how much i can really get in the mood for it one of the weakest genres because they just do the same shit over and over and it never amounts to anything so uh 30 36 out of 50 what about you uh yeah man i don't know first time watching it i i don't know normally i would say like everything you said here's a number but I don't know, maybe the... All right, fuck it. You know what? It's a 24 out of 40. Mm. 24 out of 40. It's fine. It's entertaining when it needs to be. Some of the stuff makes me uncomfortable because it should. (laughs) Um, And it should have made the filmmakers uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, it's it's fine. I I laughed. I'm glad we got this in the, uh, you know, grand scheme of things to 
launch Nicolas Cage's career. Mm-hmm. So I'll accept it for what it is. 24 out of 40. Yay! Know what I'm into, Greg? Uh, no idea. I have no clue. Seamless edits. Mm, I'm not sure about that. I just wanted to yeah. see if it worked. <laughs> yes, you are. I yeah! knew you were. <laughs> I was lying. <laughs> <sighs> Mid fucking nineties, baby. Why do they call Mid-90s. it nineties? Why do they call it mid nineties? I thought it was at least above average nineties. <laughs> greg this was your pick would you like to summarize the film for us i sure would where can we watch it though yeah real quick uh yeah mid 90s is a 2018 film that you can you can watch it on Showtime. Gross, gross, gross. Uh, I don't know why you would do that. Uh, I have the Blu-ray, so just, you know. Nice. Ask to borrow it. Did you watch it on Showtime? I rented it on Amazon. I wasn't going to sell yeah. Showtime just for this. Yeah, fuck Showtime. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a good movie. I think I think people should watch it. Uh if they have showtime, great. If they don't, um don't get it. <laughs> so Mid nineties is a movie from our friend Jonah Hill. It is his writing and directorial debut. Mm-hmm. Uh it is about skateboarding LA culture in the mid nineties. Surprise, surprise. We follow our young friend Stevie, who's a 13-year-old kid that is having little trouble at home. Got his older brother that kind of pushes him around, a mother that just kind of seems disinterested in being a mother, Mm -hmm. sad to say, uh, no dad in the picture. And he sees a group of kids skateboarding, causing ruckus, and he's like, you know what? Those might be my people. So he kind of starts hanging around, starts slowly becoming all of their friends, and turns out he really loves it he loves being their friends skateboarding kind of showing off trying to impress the older crowd and unfortunately this leads to a lot of trouble for him Mm -hmm. he's really hurting himself getting into his new hobby he's really damaging his relationship with his brother an already damaged relationship that's just getting worse his relationship with his mother getting even more strained and he's just we're seeing himself put himself through so much pain and just self-inflicted harm seemingly just to impress some people that at the end of the day just want to be his friend for who he is and it takes him a whole movie to realize that that's mid-90s denny yeah let's say you <laughs> um this this is mid 90s um i didn't get around to seeing it in 2018 i was super broke at the time and movie theaters were very very special treats for me um this was my first time seeing it and i didn't know that much about it going into it other than jonah hill made it um what about you what's your relationship with the film i didn't see it in theaters but like i said i have the blu-ray so i i think i got it like it was like super cheap somewhere at a store. I was like, I, I knew it had come out. I knew Jonah Hill had made it. So I bought it, checked it out. I, I, I enjoyed it the first time. I felt like some things were kind of missing for me. And then on this second watch through, I think I enjoyed it a little bit more. 
so this is my second time seeing it uh, just uh, a couple days ago um i would like to open our discussion on mid-90s by reading us a Critiker review that I found on the Ooh. website Critiker. This is a random review I pulled out of a hat. Uh, this is a... <laughs> it seemed, like I, I kind of wanted to see where people were at with this movie. It's a lot of high scores, a lot of low scores, some, some in the middle. This is something from a little bit of a lower score, so I will read it as it is written here. <clears throat> Everything at this movie screams Bernie bro. <laughs> what? We're, uh, we're starting off very strong with the first sentence. Everything at this movie screams Bernie bro. Auteur theory fetich. <laughs> Another semicolon here. And then there's dashes between all of these words. Slap on the wrist. Boys will be boys misogyny. This movie has the EQ of Bill Simmons, but radicalized and emotionally numbed by the internet. Always throwing shit, never having to catch it. Always self-aware of its own pose, never being vulnerable with a posture. Jonah Hill, ladies and gentlemen, the manic starfish from Superbad. Entitled and empowered by the Scorseses of the world. Who would have thought? Whoever wrote this, I hate you. That's a film review from a person. If this is a movie. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. If you're gonna be that pretentious and condescending, learn how to spell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a common thread with shit like this and grammatical capacity. <laughs> grammatical is that even a word am i being a hypocrite i don't like, care i've never heard someone like use the phrase auteur theory and also have that many spelling errors <laughs> they followed it up with a spelling error by calling it auteur theory auteur theory fetich the ch um they know what auteur theory is but they don't know how to spell fetish it's pretty fun man yeah the internet's a magical place for a movie that doesn't really have anything to say, I feel like it just opens you up to kind of pull whatever you want out of it. And some people are just so obsessed with, like, everything has to make me mad. Everything from Hollywood is is obviously out to indoctrinate people and make me angry, so yeah. I'm going to make it say that. What are you talking about? This movie isn't really about much. This is not necessarily consequence-free kind of story but it's not really making a statement this movie feels like some guy you're talking to that's just like grew up in this scene this movie is like a perfect retelling of a vibe of an era yeah it's like yeah me and my friends here's this guy here's how he was here's this guy here's how he was and we went out and skateboarded, and this is how it was. This is what it felt like. I didn't really feel like it had a moral message, yeah. No, there, no. It was just presented as, like, here's how life was for these people in this time. And that was it. it yeah. Like, even for something called mid-90s, that didn't feel like a lot of nostalgia bait either. No, there really wasn't. Which, which I really liked. Like, I remember, like, leading up to it, there was a lot of, like, talk about, oh, Jonah Hill is, like attention to detail about like even the trash in the street could only be stuff 
that you would find in this time in this era it couldn't be like modern stuff that you would find and it's just like i wasn't looking <laughs> yeah i wasn't looking but then like uh normally a movie kind of like this or that gets hyped up in that manner would be like oh here's all this cool 90s shit you remember it and then they shove it right in the camera yeah but it's just like here's the old school doritos bag but it's sitting on a counter kind of mixed in with the magazines here's a super nintendo but it's just kind of blended in with the other books on the shelf or whatever it doesn't feel like nostalgia baity kind of filmmaking it just I've, it's it really gets into like the atmosphere of the time that it's trying to exist in i feel like you could have given them smartphones and set it in the present you know <laughs> yeah. like it really wasn't a very 90s movie at all other than the aspect ratio which i did appreciate mm -hmm. yeah i i think like a lot of care went into the filmmaking here uh, describe, despite it screaming Bernie bro, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was clearly like going for a feel and I think it achieved it. it. It didn't reach too far in any sort of direction. I feel like it just was presented in such a natural manner. And yeah, I, I'll, I'll give Jonah Hill a lot of praise for putting together a project. And I feel like... Yeah. He had his vision of what he wanted to do and the feel he was going for, and I think he achieved it very well. I'd agree, man. And honestly, this had something that none of our other movies this week have and most coming-of-age movies don't, which is what you said, filmmaking. Um, there were some mm -hmm. really, really inspired shots in this. The score was completely original. Um, the score was one of the best parts of the movie for me. Um, I have notes on that. Please ooh, continue. No, that, that's all I really had to say was just that I was like, oh, you didn't just want to put us in a mall and be like, look, there used to be mall culture. You know, like they actually <laughs> made an inspired film. And I really appreciated that. Yeah, exactly. We didn't, we weren't just like, hey, remember this store? Remember this brand from back then? Yeah. Remember Walkman's? Remember they, they, this? they talk yeah. about, hey, remember this? Y'all remember? Uh, they're you know they they have the disc man talk in the beginning of the movie, but they aren't like shoving it right into the lens and being like this disc man, uh huh? Yeah, guys, you guys remember we had these. Well, they, um, and they never did the lamest nostalgia thing you can do, which is where you like make a joke about the future. Um, oh yeah, you know, and it, they didn't have anyone say like George W. Bush. He'll never be president. He'd ruin the country. You know, like, I hate, hate when like, people do that. It's so lame. I guess I guess at this time they would say, like, this George H.W. Bush guy is the worst. Imagine if one of his sons became president. Right. They, 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 <laughs> yes, that's what they would have done in a lesser movie. They never had someone say, like, Discman is the ultimate way to listen to music. They'll never think of anything better than this. You know, like they just they they completely refrained from that, which I really really appreciated. I did too. Um I wanted to touch on my note on the score for a little bit if I may, cuz I also found it incredible. It is original. Um excuse me. So, I was listening to it especially towards like the third act. I was like this score just feels like it was a song from Gone Girl. <laughs> this feels like it's inspired from The Social Network. 
and then the credits roll and it's original music by trent reznor and atticus ross who did the music for both of those movies oh, and all, I didn't know and that. all of the and all of the recent um david fincher movies i was like oh of course that they tricks. fucking did um yeah it's you know they're recent oscar winners as well for soul like it's it's so incredibly well done i think a lot of the filmmaking aspects of this movie is just like Jonah Hill surrounded himself with incredibly talented people mm -hmm. from the music with Reznor and Ross. And then he got someone that we, we praised a few weeks ago, our editor from Ladybird, Nick oh, Huey. Oh shit. So the editor for Ladybird uh, edited this movie as well. Very cool. So, uh, I, it's like probably the first time, watching like op watching watching opening credits and recognizing the editor's name but only because we called him out like a couple weeks ago mm -hmm. um he was probably he probably did some of the best work in ladybird i thought he was okay in this movie it was it was good but there was like a couple of very minor issues that kind of stuck out oh yeah i didn't notice um, what were they i'm all over the place on this movie <laughs> you're good you're good um at the end of the movie, you know, we get our, our the car accident scene, and it's kind of like jump scare kind of shit editing. Oh, I, just, I loved that. It scared the fuck out of me. I, I loved it. I, I did not think it needed that. I didn't oh, like that. It scared the living shit out of me. Like, I, I wish I, that there had been more consequences because of how much it scared me. Yeah, exactly. It just... it. To me, that felt out of place. I'm glad it had a, a, like a positive effect on you, but I, for me, that was like, it just stuck out like a sore thumb, and like, it was just like a flashing neon sign that said, "Hey, remember editing? Like, here it is." See, so I, I didn't like it. For me, it worked because it was out of place, um, because it made me feel like something so bad had just happened, something so offbeat with the rest of the movie. Um, and it legitimately made me think for a moment because they held it on black for a while. I was like, holy shit, they just killed all the kids and end, ended the movie. Like, holy <laughs> shit, I did not see that coming. Um, I, I liked it, man. I, again, the reasons it didn't work for you are the reasons it worked for me. So what are you going to do about that? Exactly. Uh, I wanted to compare it to like a glob of hot sauce on one piece of sushi. Mm. It's not ruining the whole dish, but it's what I'm thinking about the most. That is a so. poignant metaphor. It really is. I was uh, I was unable to sleep at like one a.m. and just thought of that. I was like, hmm, I better write this down. Yeah, it's, it just gave me such a feeling of oh shit um, that it really worked for me. Hell yeah. Just Man. like a glob of hot sauce on one piece of sushi would. I would be like, oh, shit, <laughs> no, when I ate it. This works for me. I thought this sushi was palatable, but now this is a story. <laughs> this is an experience. <laughs> that sucks. But you would have liked it. So, That's where you and I differ, and I'm glad we could talk yeah. about these things. Um, uh, Denny, I have a question. Are you, are you a younger brother? Or are you an older brother? I'm the oldest in my family. You're the oldest. Okay, I am the youngest of two. So I have, just like the characters here, I have one older brother. Um, I kind of want to get both of our perspectives here. 
because I thought this was extremely realistic little brother behavior. Yes. Speaking as a little brother, how how do you feel as an older brother? When he went in the room... Yep, specifically that part. Van- yep. Vanessa's a, a youngest of two, and I looked over at her and I went, you fucking shithead younger siblings. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my god, I was so mad at him. And then I felt bad for being mad at him because he was going to get him a nice birthday gift. He was trying to see what CDs he liked and what CDs he already had. And I thought it was heartwarming, mm. but like the oldest child in me was just like, God, somebody ground this boy. Somebody get in here right now and get him in trouble. This is an injustice, I say. Pissed me off. For me, to offer my perspective, you're the coolest. I'm, I'm using you as Thank like you. a... You I am know, the coolest. I'm talking to my older brother here. I think he might listen to this show. But yeah, you. <laughs> you're the coolest person I know. I want to get to know you. I want to be like you. So the only way for me to understand who you are, I have to go exist in your space and try to understand what it's like to be you. Mm. See what you're interested in and try to emulate those things. Gotcha. So like as soon as you say you're don't you stay out of my fucking room and then slams the door. Where's the first place I'm going? Yeah. I'm going into your room. And if my brother's hearing this, yeah, I went in there a lot, and I'm really sorry. <laughs> See, I don't, I don't think my younger brothers thought I was cool. <laughs> and so they would go He's... in my room just to fuck with my shit, as far as I know. He sucks at football. How cool can he be? <laughs> yeah. it's, my, it's... Neither my brother or I were good at sports, so yeah. Different, <laughs> different expectations, I guess. Yeah. Um... I wanted to circle back to the ending a little bit here. Um, yeah, sure. Because that's the biggest thing in the movie that, that dropped it points for me. I thought they earned a stronger ending than they delivered. Um, I was really let down by... And then they just watch a video of them skating and think about what good friends they are. <sighs> they had really made me care so much more about these characters and how they relate to each other. Um I, I, there was a lot to care about and a lot that really worked for me and then it just seemed like they accidentally ended the movie <laughs> like it didn't seem like that okay. was the finale at all to me I, I feel the same way and I understand where you're coming from but I feel like if you're going to accidentally end a movie the best way to do it in a movie about skateboarding is to show the fucking homemade skate video that we've been making through the duration of this narrative yeah. right like skate culture to this day you're just doing like the hand cam homemade fish islands shot from the cameraman riding a skateboard too style of filmmaking yeah. and just closing on that video that they've been making the whole movie was good I really like that they did that. But to your point, it feels like they kind of stumbled into that during <laughs> a much different set of consequences. Yeah, and like they have they do this thing where like the mom finally accepts that they're his friends and I'm like this is the thing. They are a horrible influence on him. Like, they're an awful 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 influence um they're not misunderstood 
<laughs> they like almost got him killed twice. Um, they're giving him like cigarettes Literally. and alcohol, yeah. and like they're turning him into a fucking degenerate. You know, like, and it's not just because like, oh, I don't like your your friends with the long hair and the ripped jeans. It's like these people are committing fucking child abuse, and. Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to feel good about that. It's, it, it didn't help. The protagonist is supposed to be 13, but he looks like he's about eight years old. And that made a yeah. lot of the movie, like a lot of the sex stuff, like very uncomfortable for me. And I, I he was a very, very strong performer. Like I thought the actor did great. Oh my God. Yeah. He's fantastic. I think he was 12 when he was filming okay. this, but yeah, go ahead. He 12 or 13. He looked way too young and way too childlike to be believably accepted by these other kids and into the community like it was something that constantly took me out of this movie of like has no one noticed that there's an eight-year-old running around with them like does does anyone care (laughs) they're like doing sex stuff with this eight-year-old like the whole movie he seems so so much younger than everyone else he was around yeah Maybe not the sex stuff, but I will get into kind of some of the other, like, friendship and acceptance things when we talk about favorite lines later on. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it, it doesn't help that he's, like, a foot and a half shorter than yeah. kids that are, like, two years older than him. Yeah. Um, but I, I loved his performance. I thought he was so fucking good in this movie. He was. He was fantastic. And... Like you were saying about the mom, like, begrudgingly accepting his friends, even though they're absolute shitbags that are, like, their their idea of, like, being a good influence is limiting the amount of alcohol this 13-year-old drinks. <laughs> yeah, malt liquor, um, not just any alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you've had a, a little over two-thirds of this 40. We're going to take it away from you now, because we're good influences. Yeah, we've got your back, kid. Oh man, but yeah, the I kind of wanted to talk about the mom a little bit. Yeah. Um. I I think it, I can't remember what we were discussing. Again, we've we've talked about parentizing kids before mm-hmm. on this podcast, and I I feel like that's going on a lot here. Yeah. If this is just a discipline-free environment, it, it the actress does a good job, and like. I think she's a very realistic character, but I just do not like the mom very much because I think she's so lenient and just hands off with her kids. Well, yeah, she and I'm go ahead. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm not really sure why. That that was it. Go ahead. It's because she's lazy. Like she never parents. She just yells about stuff, and eventually her kids figure out that her yelling has no actual consequence. So they just do whatever they fucking want. Like, I don't think you're supposed to like the mom. Um, her, yeah, exactly. Her, her, kids, exactly. her kids certainly don't. Um, she's a lazy parent, man. She's just lazy. She And then, like, she thinks she's parenting because she goes and humiliates her youngest son in front of his friends, the only people he connects with. And she thinks yelling at them and embarrassing him is what parenting is. Um, and you hear him screaming at her in one of my favorite uh, emotional moments of the movie. He's screaming, I can't trust you. I can't trust you. Right? Like, mm-hmm. after what she just did. She doesn't actually parent, ever. And I think it's kind of mentioned like 
but it all just makes sense you know because i think they mentioned that the older brother was born when she was what like 15 or 16 yeah or something 18 when i was 18 i had you she says oh 18 okay I feel like they should have ridden that a little bit younger, mm-hmm. honestly. Like, if she was, like, 15 or 16 and just, like, felt kind of stuck between two worlds of, like, not really finishing adolescence mm-hmm. and then, like, accepting this new burden of motherhood. Yeah. I feel like that would have been a little bit more realistic with what we got with her as as a mother. But, yeah, that's interesting. Um I kind of wanted to get into what you thought about, because you've worked with, you know, you've done child therapy, play therapy, of yeah. course. You've you've done um, therapy with children before. What do you think of Stevie, our main character? He seems just... All of his internal and mental battles seem to get resolved in some manner with self-harm. And yeah. I wonder if if that's something you had maybe any insight on. Um, I never worked with a kid that young that self-harmed. Um, usually self-harm is either to numb some pain by getting a different sensation in your body um, or just like to control something. Or to, to just express an ultimate act of self-hatred. And this is the kind of kid that would get diagnosed with something like oppositional defiant disorder or ADHD. And people would miss what was really going on with him. Which is, he is being abused by his older brother. Because that's not just like siblings fighting, he's being assaulted, right? Mm-hmm. He's being abused by his older brother. He is not being protected by his mom. And he doesn't feel connected to anyone. Um, There's actually a study I'm aware of that actually found that there were worse mental health outcomes for kids with emotionally withdrawn parents than with kids who had aggressive parents. Um, Mm. That it's, like, worse for you to just be disconnected from a parent than to, like, be attacked by them, which is insane. Not to say that, like, being attacked by a parent's not absolutely horrific, but, like the numbers speak for themselves that like when kids like this is what i would always tell parents your kids are going to gravitate towards the people who accept them the way they are and if that's not you i can't guarantee it's going to be someone with their best interest in mind and that Mm -hmm. look at this movie right (laughs) like that's exactly what it's saying in so many ways exactly um yeah this kid would get misdiagnosed and there wouldn't be any attention paid to the fact that like he feels alone at home he feels alone there and he feels scared there and that's fucking with his brain development and that's why he's looking for anything to numb that to numb how like scared and alone and in pain he feels all the time and so much self-hatred kids when they're when they're when they're abused and they can't escape their environment you can't move out right and you can't stop the abuse you start to think you deserve it because that's better than facing your feelings. You know, like to constantly, you can't stand up for yourself. And so like kids try to make sense out of it and they start to believe they deserve to be abused because they're bad. Then they start acting like bad kids and, you know, drinking forties and fingering teenagers. (laughs) Like hell yeah. 
yeah man uh this this poor kid i really felt for him and for his older brother and man i hope i never made my little brothers feel like his older brother made him feel like holy shit that it was just Mm -hmm. soul crushing to watch how much you knew he worshipped his big brother and how horrifically abused by him he was yeah absolutely and like talking about how kid like how a kid in this situation would feel like start to maybe think that he deserved this kind of pain or abuse that he was facing when like the older brother convinces him to steal money from mom yeah he he's just like staring at the cash in the drawer and he like grabs a hairbrush and like Ooh. pulls up his the leg of his shorts and starts like hmm. rubbing it on his thigh it's a scene this the first time i saw it i i completely forgot about it it stuck out so fucking much in the second watch through and i feel like that's based on kind of what you're saying is just like that's like an immediate manifestation of kind of what you're the idea that you're talking about of like you know feeling like i deserve to feel pain because i'm being terrible i'm being bad i deserve to hurt for this so he's doing that to himself Mm -hmm. to kind of i don't know make it make sense in his head that he's doing something that he thinks is wrong yeah i i maybe i'm off there that's just kind of my thought there i don't and like because kids their prefrontal cortexes which is where all like language and rational thought happens their prefrontal cortexes aren't developed so they can't turn their feelings into words they like literally don't have the hardware in their brain to like talk about how they feel so they act it out in some way and that's why kids play so much and i think that's why you see is it stevie stevie's the kid's name stevie yeah yeah yeah. i think that's why you see him acting out his self-hatred so much because he can't talk about it like it's it's like literally impossible for him to talk about how he's feeling (laughs) that's that's what's also so interesting about like just the setting for this character to develop in the skateboarding culture is like the way that you'll earn reputation is by like carelessly maybe not carelessly but just like ah man just throwing yourself at an obstacle or a trick or you know some some kind of thing just like throwing your body in harm's way without a care and just saying like i don't give a fuck if this hurts me i'm going to try to do this thing that'll get you a ton of respect but it's such a self-harming sort of behavior Mm -hmm. that a kid doing it this young it's so interesting that he's like a kid doing it this young it makes sense for him based on everything we talked about with the family dynamic and of course it earns the respect of all these older kids they're like this kid is so fearless he's so gutsy and it's just like a couple different things going on that are being affirmed by one party and then just like in his own mind without any sort of backup would also be something he would do naturally yeah well you know that all he's seeing is the social rewards not the consequences right like and that's how kids are they that's why they do shit like that because the possible benefit of everyone thinking they're cool is so much more clear to them than the possible consequence of dying right (laughs) like they're they're just so much more in touch with that possible benefit a thousand percent yeah and like i 
you know, I grew up, I would, I wasn't into skateboarding, but maybe into like rollerblading and stuff like that. Just like doing cool stunts or tricks or whatever, like in front of older kids and having them like respect you. That's, that's a real fucking rush, man. That's a real high doing something that like even kids that are older than you that you might look up to think like whoa that was dangerous and you did it you still you know fought through that or yeah yeah you're so brave like getting that kind of affirmation from an older group of kids is just oh that's everything when you're that age that was a that was a trick we used when i used to work at a camp anytime a kid fell down all the counselors would run up and go that was so awesome did you see how cool it looked to see if we could prevent like a a, a crying spell it totally works too nice that makes a lot of sense damn there's a lot to get out of this movie that doesn't really present you with a whole lot i think it it presents you with a lot of feeling it doesn't present you with a ton of story but there's enough there's enough um Mm -hmm. but like a lot of it is kind of like fast times in the sense that it's just shenanigans and you know here's what growing up looks like look at it but there was so much to feel and the characters were so much more real and so much more developed you know and that's you know we find out more and more about the gang like uh the greatest name for a movie character ever ever by the way fuck shit um Mm -hmm. and his relationship with was ray the oldest one yeah Ray. ray yeah and I, I wanted more of that. You know, I think that, again, that's what's going to take it down a few points for me because I think they earned, they they deserved to give themselves better, like a better payoff for, for how well they did with making me care about these people. And that's the thing. If you care about the characters, they can do fucking anything. It doesn't matter. You'll care because you care about them, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I feel like we've discussed everything and more i think so of what i wanted to get out of mid 90s um yeah a lot of the stuff i didn't even have notes on we just kind of developed that yeah man naturally and i feel like the natural payoff here is to harmlessly jump into gimmicks i'm down with that brother i'm down with that um just like this movie we've established some great ideas and then we're just gonna (laughs) go with what we know (laughs) um what's your favorite coming of age moment uh, mine was Stevie trying to impress the currently youngest kid in the friend group by saying like, oh yeah, I smoke cigarettes all the time. And he takes his first cigarette and he gets the lighter, gets the lighter going and he like burns half of the fucking paper and then lights the cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to fit in like, oh yeah, th- I'm just not used to this brand. Yeah. That's why I'm coughing so much. <laughs> he like burns half of the paper just trying to get fucking started yeah all the while looking like he's eight years old (laughs) um my favorite coming of something was them playing uh fucked up would you rathers uh would you rather suck your dad's dick or eat your mom out which felt disgusting to even say um (laughs) i shouldn't have repeated that i feel like i'm a worse person for it Um, you are but i always love that that's a coming of age thing just asking each other really gross questions and getting uncomfortable i i i appreciated that whole discussion and i could hear jonah hill's voice very clearly in it yeah and i feel like it was 
natural and realistic responses of like why the fuck would you even ask that yeah. <laughs> like even the characters were like that's fucked up yeah yeah um uh denny what's your favorite line here for mid 90s you should look up to me i smoke i skate i fuck bitches i've never heard a more solid legal argument <sighs> i follow the logic makes a lot of sense <laughs> Um, I wanted to give a runner-up to the A24 logo. This is might be because cool. this is an A this is an A24 film. Yep. So instead of just putting a line of text um, during like the opening production credits, there's just a bunch of skateboards making A24. That was cool. And then people jump on the skateboards and skate away. It's fucking awesome. That was rad. Top tier. Well done. Um, but my actual favorite line is from the end of the movie where Ray tells Stevie, you literally take the hardest hits I've seen in my life. You know you don't have to do that, right? Mm. And that's basically like the older guy he's trying to fit in with telling him, like, you can just be yourself and still fit in with us. You yeah. don't have to put yourself through so much harm to try to impress us. Like, we like you for you. That was cool. And yeah like that was the like the emotional arc of that and that finale that i think you got a little bit less out of but that line i think worked a little bit better for me personally that just kind of summed up it, it kind of summed up um the arc of stevie but i think you are right that maybe that wasn't enough of a conclusion to i don't uh, i don't what could have been i think what could have been yeah. I think I'd feel different if I'd been a little brother. Okay. I, I, I'm, oh, interesting. Now that I've heard your perspective, um, I can see why that would have hit you harder and not really meant that much to me. You know, like, I, I don't remember really looking up to kids other than, my like, my neighbor who was one year older than me. You know, like, I, I looked up to TV characters and I never... Uh, did stunts to impress them you know <laughs> like but that's mm -hmm. that's who that's who i felt were, were my role models and the people i wanted to be like was like wrestlers and so i think maybe if i'd been a younger kid surrounded by older kids more often i'd, I'd probably feel feel a little bit more that's incredibly interesting man like my my older brother he graduated high school and then the next year I went into high school. Yeah. So we would, we didn't go to high school together, but like we were both in band. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like I knew all of his friends basically, and yeah. I wanted to impress them. And then like he left and I was still there coming in as a freshman. And I wanted to be friends with the people that were like now seniors that were friends with my older brother. Right. So like, I really, really, understand this mentality and empathize with it greatly <laughs> just like trying to impress your older brother's friends whether they're his friends anymore or not right right yeah. like i i is i put them in the same group in my head so i'm going to act a little different try to make myself seem or feel older to fit in with a group that fits with the person that i think is incredibly cool and worth looking up to which was my older brother so that's, cool. that's where i'm coming from i hadn't thought about it from that perspective until we talked i wouldn't expect you to and i'm glad i get to tell it to yeah, you man i appreciate that hell yeah i'm appreciate you listening yeah <sighs> so that's my favorite line denny 
What did you give this score? I know this is a movie that screams Bernie bro, but what did you rate it? <laughs> I gave it a 39 out of 50. Um, very, very nice. good. I don't know that I'd call it an all-timer, but uh, to, to steal a bit from uh, Your Movie Sucks on YouTube, it's closer to a 40 than a 38, I would say. Okay, nice. Um, oh, I'm glad you feel that way. Uh, I gave this one a, I think I originally gave it like a 28 or 29, Yeah. but on this watch through, I gave it a 31 out of 40. It's a little bit closer to an eight than a seven. Yeah. Kind of, kind of say it how you did. Um, there's a couple spots that I think needed a lot of work. Like I mentioned like that one editing moment I didn't really like. Uh, Lucas Hedges, who played the older brother, he was also in Lady Bird. Oh, shit. To continue that kind of connection. I didn't really buy him in this movie oh, as really? the older brother. Like, I just, I didn't really get, like, his his whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just, I was just, it just wasn't doing it for me. Um... Yeah, there's a lot of things I liked. But yeah, at the end of the day, I feel like this is very close to an 8. Very strong. And if Jonah Hill wants to make more cool, personable, relatable movies for younger siblings, I'm all for it. I hope he does, man. I, I would really like I to really see hope write so. and direct more. I loved his style. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Fucking... Skater boys, man. They said, see you <laughs> later, said, boy. She said, see you later, boy. They weren't good enough for it, her. It was good enough for that <laughs> te- other teenage girl. Whatever. That was weird. That was, that was, that was weird. really weird. That was really weird. He was prepubescent. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, it can all be licorice pizza. Um, <laughs> all right, man. Uh, Denny, what is the best movie for when you're coming of age i'm gonna go with your pick mid 90s by quite a bit i think uh yeah i think that's our best coming of age film at least from from this week without a doubt i'm gonna have to go ahead and agree with you selfishly not only because it was based on a time period that both of us grew up in but it was also the little brother mentality mm-hmm. psychology that i think i really relate to yeah and it was just a better movie and filmmaking style than the other two honestly stand by me pretty good any other week might have won yep uh i, I rated <laughs> fast- stand by me higher because i think it's it's a more complete meal but mid 90s is the winner for this week okay love to hear it my guy <sighs> yeah, I mentioned Licorice Pizza. That's another movie I actually watched recently. Oh, shit. And if if you want to hear my thoughts on it, you're going to have to tune in to the Patreon that we mentioned yeah! earlier. Yeah, sub the Patreon. I will talk about it. Yeah, instead of going through a list of titles of what else we watch, I kind of want to get into it a little bit more. Cool. So... Feel free to join our Patreon once it launches. We will keep you up to date on social media. On Facebook, just look for Movies for Win. On Twitter and Instagram, at Movies for Win. You're going to be the most up-to-date motherfucker in the world on what we're up to. And while you're on the internet, 
thinking of us apple podcast spotify just go ahead and give us a rating if it's five stars which it probably is of course it is of course it is just go ahead and leave that five stars there why the hell not? it helps us it helps us feel better about ourselves and it helps us feel better about our algorithm that's right <laughs> we are computers denny and I. uh yeah denny this is a lot of fun Wait. This week was great, but what are we doing next freaking week, man? Next week is going to be something in a similar vein where there's also some coming-of-age movies featured, but it's movies for when you want to accept yourself. We're about to get into some some really brutal stuff when spooky season comes up, so we wanted to do something uplifting. Um, something that yeah. fosters that self-love, that self-compassion, and that self-awareness. So... Uh, my pick is probably the most significant movie to my life journey uh, I've ever seen, and it is The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Greg, do you have a pick yet? Perks of Being a Wallflower featuring um, only one non-binary person that feels like assaulting other humans for no reason. Um, we'll get into that. <laughs> we'll get into that. And one uh, wizard. My pick is going to be, I have decided, on School of Rock. I'm going with the Jack Black classic, and we can tell the Jack Black story again, baby. <laughs> yeah, it's my best story! <laughs> it's his best story. Uh, the third pick is going to be up to you guys, the audience. Yeah. Like I said, find us on social media for polls, movie suggestions, self-acceptance, movies. What are they? Let us know. Please tell us or else or fucking else <laughs> don't make us say it again oh uh, you'll live to regret it you won't live we're kidding <laughs> <laughs> save it for spooky season Denny. we're almost to spooky Ooh, season i feel the spooky ghost coming over me well denny you feel the spooky goose coming over you <laughs> i feel the age coming over me all over me but I think we both need to feel the catchphrase coming all over us. So please, Denny, Greg, it, hit us with the catchphrase. It would be my honor to come all over the both of us with this catchphrase. Uh, for Greg Work, the Leg Work Johnson, I'm Denny the Talent Taylor. And this has been Movies for When? We already told you when, but you know what we didn't tell you? What's my coming of cage again? <laughs>